blessing. There you go. Is this high enough, Stephen? Does it sound okay? All right. So, uh, like he said, I'm, I'm a big proponent of justice. It's something that's really important to me. Uh, God is a God of justice. Therefore, if it's a quality of his, then it should probably be a quality of ours. Okay? So, <clears throat> I was kind of dreading bringing this message to an extent because I'm not preaching today. I'm bringing something that will seem heavy, <clears throat> but it's important. We have to know what's going on. Okay? So, I'm big into politics. I'm big into what's going on socially. Um, it's what I do in my spare time. I, I listen to politi- political speak. I, I'll watch C-SPAN on TV and watch what's going on in, in Congress, watch these boring politicians speak. Because what they're saying is actually pretty important once you get past all the, the crap. Right? Because <laughs> ultimately, what they do has a pretty big effect on our lives. We don't want to think it does, but they're, they're pretty important people. So I want to talk today about a subject that's really important to me. Um, for about the past 12 years, I've taken this as the thing that means the most to me. <clears throat> I vote because of this issue. If someone doesn't stand for this issue, I will not vote for them. I don't care how good they are on anything else. If they're against this issue, or if they're for this and they're a little weird in some areas, I lean way more towards this, and I'll let the other stuff take care of itself. Because this is an important, important, important thing. And I'm going to talk about abortion today. I know it's not something you would come to church and, hey, let's talk about killing babies. So, but I want to talk about the history of abortion and why it's such an epidemic in the world today, and why... It's wiping out races of people in our own country. So, I want to talk to you first about something called eugenics. What is eugenics? Okay? This was a phrase first coined in 1883, but the practice has been used throughout human history. It is a social philosophy advocating the improvement of human genetic traits through the promotion of higher reproduction of people with desired traits positive eugenics, and reduced reproduction of people with less desired or undesired traits, negative eugenics. So it's basically taking what Darwin taught about, about the survival of the fittest, and us taking control of that, and taking people, we see this person as desirable, let's breed them with this person that's desirable, This person is mentally challenged. Let's get rid of them. Okay, so the the farthest record that I could find of eugenics was in 1400 B.C. by a philosopher named Plato. We've all heard of Plato. We enjoy playing with his... No. (laughs) Yeah, that was a good one. 400 B.C. (laughs) So... He believes that human reproduction should be monitored and controlled by the state, with the capital S, the state, the government. He understood that this form of government control would not be readily accepted. 
and proposed the truth be concealed from the public via a fixed lottery. In Plato's Republic, mates would be chosen by, giving, by being given a marriage number in which the quality of the individual would be quantitatively analyzed, and persons of high numbers would be allowed to procreate with other persons of high numbers. In theory, this would lead to predictable results and the improvement of the human race. However, he acknowledged there was some failure because gold souls, which were the highest, could still produce bronze souls, which were the lowest. Plato's ideas were probably the earliest attempt to mathematically analyze genetic inheritance, which was later improved by many people. So, that's the official, the first time we basically heard of eugenics, was actually breeding people. But if you go back even farther into Sparta, Rome, and Athens, they commonly practiced infanticide. The way they would do this is the baby would be born, and if this baby was undesirable for whatever reason, they would take the child, lay him out in the sun, and let him die. In Sparta, newborns were expected by the city's leaders who decided the fate of the infant. If the child was deemed incapable of living, it was usually exposed, they had a place called the Apothety, near the Tigetus Mountain. It was more common for boys than girls to be killed this way in Sparta. Trials for babies included bathing them in wine and exposing them to the elements. To Sparta, they did this because they wanted the strongest to survive. If the baby lays out in the sun, is cooked and doesn't die, well, he's the strongest, so let's let him live. Other than that, let's just take him out. This was championed by a man you might know by the name of Adolf Hitler. Even though he tried to make it seem a little more humane, he said that they actually just went and killed the children. They didn't expose them, which was false, obviously. Hitler wasn't telling much truth. In Rome, the 12, I'm going to give you all a big history lesson here. So, Rome, the 12 tables of Roman law established early in the formation of the Roman Republic stated in the fourth table that deformed children must be put to death. In addition, patriarchs in Roman society were given the right to discard infants at their discretion. This was done by drowning undesired newborns in the Tiber River. Commenting on the Roman practice of eugenics, the philosopher Seneca wrote, We put down mad dogs. We kill the wild, untamed fox. We use the knife on the sick sheep to stop their inflicting the flock, infecting the flock. We destroy abnormal offspring at birth. Children, too, if they are born weak or deformed, we drown. Yet this is not a work of anger, no, but of reason to separate the sound from the worthless. This open practice of infanticide was used in the Roman Empire until it was Christianized, which imagine that. So, this goes back to then. Why did they abort children? There was one reason. They were undesirable. They had traits that for whatever reason, they didn't want. They weren't deemed acceptable. So they just took care of it on their own. But, like you said, they didn't do it in anger. 
don't know. They were they were wise and smart. That's why they did it. <clears throat> so let's jump into modern times, late 1800s, okay? This is when the eugenics move really got massive. It was accepted worldwide through science, shockingly. Sir Francis Galton, he coined the term eugenics, and this is why. He says, we want a brief word to express the science of improving stock, which is by no means confined to questions of judicious mating, by which, especially in the case of man, blah, 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 blah. He wanted a word that, you said this word, it defines breeding people to have a more acceptable race of people. Okay, And he said that that sufficiently summed it up. Okay, so he... He systemized these ideas and practices according to new knowledge about the evolution of man and animals provided by the theory of his half-cousin, Charles Darwin. The Darwin family was ridiculous. I think it was their grandma was um, how they were related. I'll stop there. Okay, uh, during the 1860s and 1870s. After reading Darwin's Origin of Species, Galton built upon Darwin's ideas where the mechanisms of natural selection were potentially thwarted by human civilization. So evolution's taking effect. However, humans are getting in the way of evolution, which, if you use your brain, makes no sense. Because if we're part of evolution, what we do is technically part of evolution. So how are we thwarting evolution? These smart people are idiots sometimes. I mean, let's be real here. Good night. <laughs> you're so smart that you're an idiot. Okay. <clears throat> he reasoned that since many human societies sought to protect the underprivileged and weak, those societies were at odds with natural selection responsible for extinction, extinction of the weakest. And only by changing these social policies could society be saved from a reversion towards mediocrity. A phrase he first coined by using statistics. If you ever hear the phrase regression towards the mean, he was the guy who did it. He concluded that since one could use artificial selection to exaggerate traits in animals, which we do. <clears throat> oh, lost my spot. Shouldn't have looked up. <laughs> okay. Oh, my goodness. Okay. One could expect similar results by applying such models to humans. As he wrote uh, in a book of his, I propose to show in this book that man's natural abilities are derived by inheritance under exactly the same limitations as are the form of physical features of the whole organic world. So basically, just like anything in the world, we're created you know, by our heredity, which a lot of it's true. Obviously, okay. Consequently, as it is easy, notwithstanding those limitations, to obtain by careful selection a permanent breed of dogs or horses gifted with peculiar powers of running or of doing anything else, so it would be quite practical to produce a highly gifted race of men by judicious marriages during several consecutive generations. So his idea was, Let's take this generation of people, starting with them, breed them with people that we deem acceptable, and in a few generations, you'll have a master race of people. Man, that sounds so familiar to somebody that we heard about. Right. Wow, it's shocking. 
See, things that are going on right now don't happen by accident right now. Nothing just happens right now. It's been building through time. Okay? Now, certain things happen in this time because times are a little different. But it's, it's rooted in something in the past. So let's make the connection there. I'm talking about abortion today, okay? And I'm setting up the history of where this came from. So do that for secular, uh, uh, consecutive generations. He claimed that the less intelligent were more fertile than the more intelligent people of his time. So in his mind, I'm so amazing. There are so few people in the world that are amazing as me, as amazing as me. That means the, the imbeciles of society obviously are more fertile than us because there's so many imbeciles in the world, but there's so few amazing, great men like me. That's the way these people think. It's unreal. If you look back through history at the people that we praise as heroes, you would be shocked. <clears throat> he did not propose any selection methods, so he didn't say, hey, let's just go round them up together and kill them. That came a little later. His solution was that you change the social mores or the morale of the, court, of the culture. So make it acceptable for culture and things will change. Guess what? That is absolutely correct. If you make something, the law doesn't make culture, okay? Culture makes laws. And you can see that in the world today. Nothing changes just because a politician says, I want this to change, okay? It changes because society moves in a direction and politicians are so wanting their power, hey, Social, the social order is going this way. I'm going to move that way and make laws that make me look like I'm part of the social order. That's why they change their minds so time. That's why the word flip-flop is so big for politicians. Because they realize, hey, five years ago, I was with society. But I've been removed from society. I've been in Washington for the past five years. I don't know what's going on with society. So they catch wind that things are changing and all of a sudden, guess what? Now I believe what society believes. Come on. Let me start it on that. So he, he wanted the, the mores of society to change, and he encouraged people to see the importance of breeding. Okay? It was eventually, um, eugenics eventually referred to human selective re um, reproduction with an intent to create children with desirable traits, generally through the approach of differential birth rates. I won't get into all that. Um, I already talked about positive neg negative eugenics. <clears throat> they strongly discouraged the reproduction of people who had poor eugenics. Their methods to do so, to prevent this, they the powerful people debated, say, let's attempt to segregate, or we can force sterilization on these people, which you'd be shocked at how long that lasted, and we even genocide people. You'd be shocked at how long that's lasted. <clears throat> Positive eugenic policies have typically taken the form of awards or bonuses for fit parents who have another child. So basically, you're a fit parent, you had another child, we will 
reward you with a monetary bonus. Okay? And if you are unfit, we'll just kill your child. <clears throat> this was uh, commonly referred to as social Darwinism. Um, I could just keep reading on that, but I'm not, I'm not going to do that. So this Galton, Galton, or Galton, however you want to pronounce it, he started the modern eugenics movement. He put, thanks to Darwin, he was able to put science to what people were thinking in the times, really weird. The elite people of the times were thinking, man, I'm tired of being surrounded by imbeciles, I'm tired of being surrounded by people of a race less than mine. This, this whole, this European movement moved to the states pretty fast, as you'll see. So, what is the root of eugenics in America? And this is where I'm going to get to the meat of what I'm talking about. And I don't want, just before I get into this, I don't want to condemn people, okay? I'm not bringing this as, you know, condemning anyone who's had an abortion or anything like that. Like, your sins are forgiven. Like, it's okay. Okay, I, but I want to bring this because there's some huge social things going on right now in our world, and this answers all those problems, okay? So, eugenics played a significant role in the history of the United States culture from the late 1800s all the way to World War II. Did you know Hitler got his ideas from what America was doing? <clears throat> Hitler studied Galton and people like that, but he saw, as you'll see here in a minute, what America was doing race-wise, and he accepted that and said, hey, this is a great way to set up what I'm going to do in the, in the future. Okay? So the progressive era, I want you to understand the word progressive. Okay? A hallmark of the progressive era, which was in the early 1900s, late 1800s, early 1900s, this is generally associated with racist or nativist elements. Basically, we want our people here. We don't want immigrants. We don't want people of another color than us. We want our European white blood to run strong. This is what the progressive era was. So if you hear a politician current day say that they are progressive, this is where they started in. I won't mention any names, but if in private you want to talk to me about people, I'm willing to do that. We have a particular politician who even specifically stated, I am an early 20th century progressive. And this person is, you know, they have a lot of power. Okay. So basically, um, they considered it, uh, an element of preserving our population, or their, uh, not our, I'm not a part of these people, preserving their population. And they, their ideas were rooted in Galton that we talked about. They tended to believe the superior, the genetic superiority of Nordic, Germanic, Anglo-Saxon people, so strong Europeans, basically. And they supported strict immigration laws, forcible sterilization of the poor, the disabled, and the immoral. So if you went to prison, they sterilized you immediately. Force. This went on, is, has gone on in America 
up to the 70s. And, and even to this day, it goes on, but there's ways around, around laws. Okay? I, I wanted to bring you all that information just about forcible sterilization, but I would, we'd be here another hour. And I just want to set a foundation of history here, okay? <clears throat> um, so they would, br- they would uh, sterilize the poor, the disabled, and the immoral. And the movement of American eugenics had extensive funding from some names you might know, Carnegie, Rockefeller, and the Harriman Railroad Fortune, J.H. Kellogg, a lot of names that we know today, provided funding to help found the Race Betterment Foundation in Battle Creek, Michigan. The Eugenics Record Office was founded in Cold Spring Harbor, New York in 1911 by the renowned biologist Charles B. Davenport, using money from the Harriman Railroad and the Carnegie Institution, which we look back at Carnegie and Rockefeller and in our history books, they're swell people. Um, As late As the 1920s, the ERO, the Eugenics Records Office, was one of the leading organizations in the American eugenics movement. In years to come, the ERA collected a mass of family pedigrees and concluded that those who were unfit came from economically or socially poor backgrounds. So what's your definition of being unfit? Eugenics, uh, I'm going to skip this. So basically, they came up with ideas to form immigration restriction. So when an immigrant came over here, they put him through this series of wild tests and oftentimes would sterilize him on the spot. Because we don't want you to come over here and reproduce. Why would we want you imbeciles over here? We're America. The American Breeders Association was the first eugenic body in the U.S., and it was established in 1906 under the direction of the biologist Davenport. The ABA was formed specifically to investigate and report on heredity in the human race and emphasize the value of superior blood and the menace to society of inferior blood. Membership in this included Alexander Graham Bell, Stanford President, David Starr Jordan, and Luther Burbank. I don't know if you know any of those people. Okay? This prompted the government intervention. They prompted government intervention in attempts to promote the health of future citizens. So the culture changed. Then they went to the government, and the government changed. And then this is where there's all kinds of laws that came uh, came into being at this time where they allowed for the forced sterilization, all this. Okay, and now I'm getting into the bulk of what I want to talk about here, okay? I want to talk to you about an organization called Planned Parenthood. One of the most pr- prominent feminists, this, this moved into the feminist movement. So by then, they were just about getting the right to vote. Uh, women were. And they were also moving into the American birth control movement. So... Women were going all around, so look, I'm not for women having babies and necessarily killing them right away. Let's just go ahead and get these poor people birth control 
so that it doesn't look like we're doing something fishy. But we give them birth control. They won't have kids. That'll save us some of the trouble of having to kill the kids. So the leader in this American birth control movement was a woman named Margaret Sanger. The angel named Margaret Sanger. If you read about her in her history books, you'd find that she's the most amazing woman to have ever walked the planet. <laughs> yeah, being, if you don't get my sarcasm, I'm being very sarcastic with this woman, as you'll see. So she founded Planned Parenthood, and it started in 1921. It was called the American Birth Control League. Sounds like a weird sports thing. Um, which later became Planned Parenthood Federation of America. So basically, she saw birth control. We talk about birth control in politics now, and it's all about women's rights and all that. Well, this is why she thought that we should have birth control. Uh, it was meant to prevent unwarranted children from being born into a disadvantaged life and incorporate, incorporated eugenics into it. She discouraged the reproduction of people who believed would have um, a physical defect or a mental disability. So it wasn't about women's rights at all. It was actually about taking rights away from people with challenges. Okay? So she started her first clinic in New York, in New York City, and she started another clinic in the middle of Harlem, which is predominantly a black city or an area. And so she made uh, her staff in Harlington entire, entirely African-American to, to create it as more accepting. So I want to read you some things about Margaret Sanger. Now, remember, she's fantastic, and she just wants people to have rights. Okay, here's what she said. <clears throat> On immigrants and and stupid people, as she would refer. They're human weeds, reckless breeders, spawning human beings who should never have been born. On sterilization and racial purification. What is that? This woman is incredible, and she's celebrated all over the world. What, what is racial purification? What is she talking about? Sanger believed that for the purpose of racial purification, couples should be rewarded who chose sterilization. So come on in, be sterilized, we're going to give you some money. Wow, I mean, that sounds, sounds like stuff we might be doing now. On the right of married couples to have children, couples should be required to submit applications to have a child. What is the purpose of birth control? It is to create a race of thoroughbreds. She also said, in, in, in the predominantly black neighborhoods, she decided that she would get pastors in, of the black churches to join with her and promote the message of sterilization to the people in their church. That way, they wouldn't know that we actually want the black people to be exterminated was her quote. 
She says, we have to get the pastors involved so that they won't know that we're lying to them, basically, is what she was saying. So the reason why this woman started Planned Parenthood was to create a master race that did not involve black people. So you hear about Margaret Sanger now? Think about her in a different light, okay? I'm bringing this. This stuff's heavy, man, but it's so important in this time. There's this big movement now about black lives matter, and they absolutely matter. But if black lives really mattered, we'd deal with crap like this, man. Why are people like Margaret Sanger, why do we give out awards every year to um, the best, you know, the most amazing woman of the year? It's the Margaret Sanger Award. And our, our politicians accept this gladly. Wow, Margaret Sanger is an amazing woman. It's great to be associated with her and to receive her award. This woman was a monster, and she was trying to exterminate a race of people. And she started it with Planned Parenthood, which to this day is the largest abortion provider in all of America. Okay? And guess what? I'm going to read you some statistics. Okay, so in 1973, there was a Roe v. Wade decision. This uh, ruled that the Supreme Court ruled that women in consultation with their physician could constitutionally, they had the constitutionally protected right to have an abortion in the early stages of pregnancy. That's so weird to me. They cite the Constitution. Oh, my God. Since 1970, over 50 million abortions reported have happened in the USA. That's 50 million reported to the CDC, the Center of Disease Control. Every year, an estimated 44 million abortions are performed globally. In the United States, about half of all pregnancies are unintended, and of all unintended pregnancies, 4 out of 10 are aborted. There are approximately 1.21 million abortions in America each year. They have been, however, on decline since 1980, which is fantastic. We've had years where it's dropped 13% from the year before, and it's been on a steady decline. It's beautiful because society's starting to change. Of the women obtaining abortions in any given year, about 47 of them have had one before. By the age of 45, one-third of American women will have at least one abortion. The U.S. abortion rate is the highest of any Western industrialized nation, 19.4 per 1,000 births. And here's the reason why we have abortions. 21% inadequate finances. 21% not ready for responsibility. 16% woman's life would change too much. 12% problems with relationships unmarried. 11 too young or immature. 8% children are grown and that's all she wants. 3% the baby has possible health problems. And less than 1% of all abortions are caused because of rape or incest. So the biggest argument in this time is birth defects, rape or incest. It's less than 1% of all abortions are because of rape or incest. It's not the epidemic that you're told it is. 
Here's Black Lives Matter. Here it is. Blacks comprise only 13% of the American population, but account for 37% of all abortions. Again, I'm not saying this as condemnation. I'm saying this because the black people in this country were set up. And this is what's happening because of women like Margaret Sanger. These Planned Parenthood clinics, are they in rich white neighborhoods? No, where are they? They're in downtrodden, low-income, ethnic neighborhoods. Okay? Why? Because this organization was founded by this monster. Okay? And they still hold to the same beliefs. You don't... They put in... Oh, man, I went to their website the other day and almost threw up on my phone. Oh, man. They put all these statistics about how they've saved... Uh, the African-American community trouble in this area and stuff and just had pictures of people smiling and stuff. And, oh, my God. Eighty percent of their locations are in minority neighborhoods. They're disproportionately targeting minorities for abortion. According to the stats, an African-American woman is three times more likely to have an abortion than a white woman. For every one black child that is born, three are aborted. This statistic came out a couple years ago. For the first time um, in the recorded history, more black people have died in America than are born every year. Every year. But There are 45% more sterilizations among African-American women and 30% more in Hispanics than among white women. Here's an interesting one. Now 80% of all unborn babies diagnosed with Down syndrome are aborted. Their, Their plan's working, people. They wanted to get rid of the imbeciles, as they would say, the mentally retarded, they're doing it. Okay, 80% of them are aborted in America now. They wanted to exterminate the black race. Well, what are they doing? Now, three times more black children are being aborted than are being born. Not one school-based Planned Parenthood clinic is located in a white majority school in America. In all of America. So if black lives matter, which they do very much, then what are we doing? Why are we electing people that let this happen? I mean, seriously, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. That's up to you. That's your responsibility. You'll, You'll answer for that. Just like I'll answer for who I vote for. And if I vote for a terrible man, I deserve to be accountable for that but know who you're voting for 
Okay? Look, I gave you some key words in here. If you hear the word progressive, know that that person very likely falls in line with everything that I've told you here. Okay? Progressive. It's a huge one. Man. Did you know, this is some, a little tidbit for you. Progressives were, if you ever hear about the President Woodrow Wilson and someone talks good about that man, slap him. Okay? He was, oh man, okay. I'm not going to go off on Woodrow Wilson. He's a terrible man. Okay. <laughs> you got to know, look, if you look at polls these days about the greatest presidents in history, Woodrow Wilson will make the list every time. Even though he was a racist, he was a pedophile, he was a terrible man. Because he goes along with what they talk about. Their agenda is this, and he was for that agenda. So he was part of the progressive movement. And he said he did so much damage to the progressive movement that they changed their name to liberal. Which liberal at the time did not mean what it means now. Liberal was a person that believed in liberty, that believed in personal freedoms, small government, all this stuff. So these people who wanted the government to control birth and wanted people to apply to have a child changed their name to liberal, which is the total opposite of what they are. It's not even the same word anymore. <laughs> it's unbelievable, man. And we're falling for this. You've got to know what's going on. I get fired up about this because I don't like, it bothers me when we go through life and we don't know what we're taking part in. We don't know. I mean, I just claiming ignorance, man, ain't good enough. Like, you got to answer. We're going to answer for what we've done. We're gonna, like I said, we're going to answer for who we vote for. We're going to answer. And I'm not talking. You're going to answer for it. So know what you're doing. Know what you stand for. Understand where we're coming from and why the problems of today are what they are. It's, it's not just happening now. The, the whole movement with the, the Black Lives Matter, it's not happening right now because of, you know, some incidents with cops or whatever you feel about that. It's not happening. It's happening because in the 1880s, people started setting the foundation. The progressives understood that over time, people would accept something. They would not accept it right away. Over time, the mores of society, like uh, he said, Galton said, they would change. So they understood. They were brilliant in their strategy. They said, look, let's start now. Put these foundations in place. A hundred years later, look where we're at. Three of every four black kids are killed before they're born. I mean, come on. Like, this is unacceptable. So we got to, you got to know. It's not fun reading history sometimes. It sucks, man. It's, it's boring. It's a lot of dates and stuff. But if you generally inspect what's going on and you see, man, history is what shows us how to behave today. I mean, we can't repeat the same mistakes that happen. If you see things that are going on right now, they line up so much with what was happening in Germany before Hitler took reign. It's, it's shocking how much. The Nazi party is actually gaining strength again in France and in Germany. 
They got over 15% of the vote in a recent election. The Nazi party, okay? And do you know what the Nazi party was? They were called the National Socialist Party. The National Socialist Party. They changed their name to Nazi, okay? So when I refer to the Nazi party, I don't want to call them Nazis anymore. They're National Socialists. So if you hear people spouting that same stuff, man, it's the same thing. They're just changing the language so we get confused, and we do. We fall for it. Ah, man. So I want, man, I want us to get fired up about this. I really do, because this is bull, man. This should not be happening. If we love people like we do, like, I don't care if you're black, white, Hispanic. I don't care. I love you all. I love you the same. So it breaks my heart when, when my people, my friends, my family, my black family are being exterminated. They're being exterminated. It's not like slavery where we knew what was going on. They, they were bound and they were being killed, but we knew about it. We knew what was going on. They knew that to do it again, you couldn't do it that way. You couldn't just round them up and take care of them anymore. They knew that you had to integrate society and progress it over time and disguise what you're doing. Planned Parenthood today, we don't associate it with exterminating black people like it does. It gets glorified. Our government gives them money. We just give them money. Millions of dollars. And they're financially viable. We don't have to give them money. They make... They have like a billion dollars in assets. It's unbelievable. They make their money by killing people. Good night, man. I want to read a verse just to make this an actual sermon. Let's open to Proverbs, please. Proverbs is an amazing book. Oh, my goodness. It is fantastic proverbs 31 verse 8 and 9 i'll give you a second jared's challenged us over the last year to really read a proverb every day if you can i i mean i failed at it but it's good man it's good stuff yeah the new year's here i can make some resolutions i'll keep for a week (laughs) okay uh proverbs 31 8 and 9 speak up For those who cannot speak for themselves. For the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. I can't think of a more poor and needy person in our world than an infant in the womb. They have no voice. They can't physically take care of themselves. And that's why it's justified to kill them. Because they're not viable. They can't take care of themselves. Therefore, they have no rights. Even though (laughs) our founding fathers said, we are all created by our created and endowed with certain inalienable rights. Among them include life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Why are they not given the same right when they're a living creature that we are? If you've had a kid... The most amazing thing to me, the thing that really set it in, was when we had that first sonogram, and you see that little heart just going like 500 beats a second, just blah, blah, blah. Dude, that's a living thing, man. I don't care if it came out and it died because 
it can't take care of itself. It's still a living thing, man. Turn with me to Psalm 139, please. Uh, We're going to start in verse 13. I'll give you a second. This is my favorite chapter of the Bible, Psalm 139. Verse 13. Why? This is is what I want to emphasize today. Why am I in the church talking about abortion? Because life is an important thing to God. And here's why. Are you ready? Psalm 139, verse 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them even came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O Lord. How vast is the sum of all of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Why do we care? Because every child is a creation of the Father. And every child was fearfully and wonderfully made. So who are we to destroy something that is a work of God that was made, knit together by Him, His life breathed into it. Who are we to take that life? Okay? How is that acceptable to us? We're taking something that is a creation of the almighty, awesome, amazing God. His most amazing creation. We are His amazing creation. We're taking this and we're destroying a work of God. You know, when Jesus was about to be born, there was a King Herod. What did King Herod do before Jesus was born? He made a decree. Every firstborn son has to be killed. Well, why on earth would Herod want the firstborn to be killed? Because he knew a savior was born. Okay, this same tactic is is being used today on the children that are being exterminated. Who knows out of that? How many was it? 50 million since 1970 in America. Who would have been born in that lot of people? Who do we know? It could have been the next Einstein. Could have been the next Martin Luther King Jr. The next great man or woman could have been born out of these women. But no, man, they're they're poor and they're they're stupid. They're retarded. Why would we let them be born? Good night, man. We're missing out. We really are. That's the tragedy. I think, you know, these babies, they don't know. They're going to they're in heaven. You know, cool. They're in heaven. But man, we're missing out on some amazing people. Like, how would society be different? Maybe the cure for AIDS was in one of those babies. Maybe the cure for cancer was in one of these kids. That's why it's a big deal. Like, we're missing out. It don't. I got I hear people talk about overpopulation of the world. Did you know every person in the world, all seven, eight billion or whatever, we could fit on the island of Hawaii. Like, don't, we're not overcrowded. We're not, okay? I mean, this is stupid. It's like, let's not take what people say and just believe it. I mean, it's, it's, 
Oh my god. I gotta stop talking. I'm gonna blow a gasket. <laughs> so man, I you know, I wasn't gonna talk about this, but it's the thing that I feel most passionate about right now, and I feel like I wanna relay some of that passion. And I kinda want y'all to understand what's going on. This isn't about just women's rights. It's not about women's rights to control their body or whatever. That's what it's been painted as. Fine, whatever. That's, I mean, that's not what it is. So they have an agenda. They had an agenda when they started Planned Parenthood. They had an agenda when they started the whole eugenics movement. Darwin had an agenda. They all had an agenda. And it's coming to fruition. And it's time for us to stop it. Okay? It's time for us to speak up and defend the rights of the poor and needy. Okay? And I don't know what that looks like for you. I mean... We can't all just adopt kids. I mean, I would love to. What, what drives me crazy about so much of this, there are lines so long for adoption in this country. It's, it's so hard for a parent to adopt a kid. It takes ages, sometimes years. I have friends going through it now. Man, it's a tough thing. But there's no shortage of parents for these children. I mean, what... We're afraid that they're going to all be orphans living on the street. I mean, it's not true. This country's full of good people that are willing to take them. And so, like I said, I don't know what it looks like for you. If you have, if adoption is real for you or if it's something that you can do, we got to consider it because it's hard for us to get up here and talk about defending life and let's have these kids born if we're not willing to take some responsibility in the matter. Okay. So I know we can't all do that, like I said, but what does it look like to you? What does bringing change to society look like to you? Whatever it looks like, do it. Whatever you can do, do it. There's some amazing organizations out there. One that I'll tell you about is called Bound for Life. Bound, the number four life. You'll see, you've probably seen the images of the red tape over the mouth that say life on it. They stand outside the Capitol building in Washington, the Supreme Court building. They do all this, and they just stand there quietly, and they pray. Because the the life signifies that the babies don't have a voice. Okay, this is a fantastic organization. Donate some money to them. I mean, they have braces. I wore mine for years, and it finally broke. I had a, they have, they sell bands. I had a white tan line here so bad. My skin didn't see sun for years. It couldn't have been healthy. <laughs> but but buy, a, buy a band. I mean, it's like two bucks. And then you can buy like a book that explains how to do it on your own. Like how to go places. And it's not picketing necessarily, but you're going and you're just praying. They call it the silent siege. It's pretty cool. Buy a booklet. It's like five bucks. Or donate money because they're actually changing laws. This organization. Um, Another one we talked about, Operation Underground Railroad. They're into this stuff, too. Okay, they go and, and um, rescue children out of the sex slave industry. But they, they also do a lot of good here, too, okay? So what I want to portray is whatever it looks like to you to change society, however small you think your part is, it's not, Okay? Do what you can do. If you can adopt five kids, adopt five kids. 
probably not practical. But do what you can. I mean, even like big brother, big sister organization, these kids that are already orphans and don't have fathers, volunteer. I mean, like two hours a week. Just be with these kids that don't have parents, okay? Like I said, yeah, and talk. Look, if you hear people talking, that's great. Word of mouth is huge, man. Use Facebook. That can go around the world. Use Facebook. Use Twitter, whatever. Let your people know, okay? For me and my house, we're, we're throughout my family history, we're going to know that abortion is wrong because I'm, my father did it. My, my grandfather did. It's born into me that it's wrong, okay? So what greater legacy to pass on to your posterity to, look, this is wrong. I don't even have to think about it. I don't even have to challenge it in my brain and reason with it. It is wrong. So pass that on. Maybe that saves lives throughout your lineage. Okay? Maybe you have someone coming. Maybe you have a grandkid that gets accidentally pregnant someday, doesn't know what to do with it. Well, what if that lineage that you passed on to that grandkid saves that kid's life? Okay? That's what I'm saying. There's a million ways to do this. So just do it, okay? Are we all in agreement that we'll do something? Okay? Because, again, it's not enough to just believe. It's not enough. Can we all stand, please? I hope I set, like, a clear foundation for you for what the problem is. The epidemic, it's not a problem, it's an epidemic. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, Ebola pairs and pels in comparison, you know, it's not even the, 44 million a year around the world are being killed. And I didn't even talk about China, I mean, oh man, man, it's just sad, man. It's sad, it breaks my heart. I fit, you know, God said the fruit of the womb is a reward. So whatever happened, however you got pregnant, <laughs> whatever happens, it's a gift from God. I mean, that's what I've told people that have had, you know, they had, you know, a moral failure or whatever, they became pregnant. I'm like, forget about that, man. God just gave you, like, his most amazing gift. Like, it's a kid. I mean, nothing compares with having kids right it's unbelievable and we're not all blessed with kids but we can we can still do things okay so i'm going to pray and i want to you know i want to attack some spiritual some spiritual things here uh but first i'm just going to pray that we all get a heart for the downtrodden the widows the orphans like the bible tells us let's let's have a heart for the needy okay i'm going to pray for that y'all just join with me God, um, God, just help us. We know that it's part of our calling, each of us, to help the widows, help the orphans, help, you know, help those that are lost, help the, the needy, the, the, the injured, the downtrodden, all that, God. That is our calling. So I ask you just help us now, just soften our hearts to these issues and help us know that we don't have to 
change the world single-handedly. We don't have to do huge, crazy things, donate huge amounts of money to make a difference. Like, all you want from us is to do whatever we're capable of doing. Just like the woman who gave the, the two mites as her offering. It was all she had, and it was the smallest amount anyone gave. But to you, it was the greatest because it's what she could have given. So in that, God, I pray that we all would just take what we're given and give it, okay? And not, not hold things back because of fear or because of selfishness for whatever reason, God. I pray that you would just give us a passion for the needy. Thank you. And I'm going to pray. I want to pray for one other thing. And, you know, I, I talked about our... Um, our black brothers and sisters a lot today, and I wanted to do that for a reason. Because it's affecting them the most. It really is. Okay? The black population in America would be 36% larger than it is now if we had not aborted black children in that time from 1970 to now. 36%. And is that a problem? Would that be a problem to have 36% more? No! we want we want people to have kids i don't care what the color they are we want them everyone has stuff to offer man it, ah, so i want to pray specifically into that i want to pray for a black culture i really do i you know my heart breaks because um i think there are some leaders in black culture that are terrible leaders for, I'm not going to name names, but I think they're, they have a different agenda. They do. And, again, I'm not going to name names, but, man, the agenda is not to help their people. Okay? Ah, I want to spout names, but I'm not going to. Their agenda is not to help people. We need the spirit of Martin Luther King Jr. to be alive again. Amen. Okay? And I don't know if you know who Alveda King is. He's his, she's his granddaughter. She's an amazing woman. Look up Alveda King. She's a leader that the black culture needs. They do. So I want to pray into that culture that they would have leaders rise up like the Martin Luther King Juniors. Okay? Does someone want to come up here and pray for this? I feel like I need to ask. Nick, will you come up here and pray for this? Here, hold on. I want this to be recorded. So, Lord God, we just um, come to you right now, Lord God, and just pray for strength, Lord God. Pray for mindsets to change, Lord. Pray for um, just people to, to rise up for righteousness, Lord God, in the black community, Lord. I pray that they would no longer be dependent on the government, Lord, but they would see value in themselves, see that you are with them, Lord God, that you can give them power and just move them in the right direction, Lord God. I pray that... Um, they will rely on you, Lord God. I pray that this culture would be just changed, Lord God. I pray that society would be changed. The mindsets and the hearts of the people would be changed, Lord God, by your power and by your might, Lord. I pray that leaders would rise up in the black community that are of you, Lord God, and that they will be able to come through the muck and the mire, Lord God, and fight for righteousness, Lord God. And they will be able to just change hearts and minds as we have done before in the past, Lord God. I pray that that opening door would be 
just busted open, Lord God, right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I pray against all evil spirits, everything that's trying to oppress the black community, Lord God. I pray that they will no longer fall for the lies. The people that are in power, they will be just, just taken down right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God. So I just thank you, Lord God, for your faithfulness. I thank you for just being always with us, Lord God, no matter what. I thank you for forgiveness of sins. Let not the sins of the past just hold us down today, Lord God. I pray that we would not be um, in, in condemnation. We would not be in shame or guilt anymore, Lord, but we would let those things go and we would take the second chance, Lord God, the third, the fourth, the sixth, the seventh, the eighth chance. All the chances you give us, we would take that chance, Lord God, and we would, we would use that to, to just turn this page, Lord God, into a new era, a new era of life, Lord God. So I just thank you, Lord, for hearing us today and always hearing us when we pray. It is in your hands, and we give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. All right, guys. Well, I love you so much. If you need any prayer or anything, come on up. We got people to help you out. You can come to the banners if you want. Healing, salvation, but you don't have to. You can just come up here. Um, God bless you in everything you do. And... uh, Be good. Bye.